Hello, and welcome to Playtime. My name is Andrew Barnett, and this is a play therapy podcast, specifically a child-centered play therapy podcast for people who are already doing play therapy and child-centered play therapy in particular, and would like to hear someone ramble about their own process with play therapy and what they do and what they don't do and how they try to figure out what this mysterious, beautiful, horrifying, complicated thing play is and the unconscious is and trying to facilitate that experience inside of typically a 50-minute session. So this podcast will focus on what is your own internal experience and framework for viewing the play as it's happening. Like what state of mind, way of being, um, what's coming up for you in your unconscious, what kind of healing space are you trying to make here that facilitates this process that is inherently happening inside of the child when given the opportunity to explore themselves and whether that's exploring their unconscious, exploring their relationship to others, exploring their relationship to really just life and how they show up in the world and what comes up with them when it's just them and they are imprinting themselves onto their relationship with us and onto the play therapy session. And all of that stuff is simply speaking to our way of being with the child during the process. Take tracking, for instance. Tracking can be done almost all the time. If you listen to a video, say, by like, or watch a video by Gary Landreth, he'll be tracking constantly naming like, okay, now you're choosing this color, uh, you're placing this color there in your painting, okay, now you're deciding, mm, maybe I want to go with another color, and he's really staying with them verbally all the time. And I'm sure that that differs session to session, right? And that if he was receiving feedback from the child that that wasn't really working for them, then he might would go about it differently, whatever that would look like. But if you take, say, sand tray people, and that's something that's outside of the realm of child-centered, but feels worth mentioning anyway, they simply witness a lot of the time what is happening and can have long periods of being silent and then will go even further and express curiosity about particular things and explore the world in this way that's a little more dynamic and is including their own interest in what is sort of moving them on an unconscious level about this work and what feels important to them. And regardless of when you're tracking, you're always pointing out what feels important to you. There's a million different things that you can say in a play session at any time. You can be focusing on the body. You could be focusing on how their facial affect as they're saying things. You can focus on the things that they're saying. You could try to be doing more summarizations of longer um, trends and themes and story inside of a particular scenario that the child is making during the play. You can talk about almost anything at any time, and even though it's child-centered, there's a lot of things 
to center on the child and to be focusing on. So the particulars are important. It is important to talk like a play therapist. It is important to talk in a way that is naming what's happening and allowing the child to fill up the space that is meeting them wherever they are and not asking them not to go any further and not asking them to go any further, but is simply there with them and then they will be pulled in the direction that they're pulled. So meeting them in that place is a complicated and messy process and there's a lot of different ways to go about doing it. And when you're meeting them, say you're meeting them in more of a body space, you want them to be, like if you are naming that they're breathing fast or rapidly, that, they're, that they, their body looks tight, that they look uncomfortable, that their face is scrunched, like you're bringing them into their experience. You could be trying to reflect the feelings in that, um, and that's a different way to get there. You could say, be simply witnessing and staying with it and not trying to verbally mean it at all, but just sort of be energetically meeting it internally. How many responses is important? What is the pace of your responses? And I do believe that that it is important to know where and why you are choosing to connect with a child when you're doing so, if you're trying to bring them more into their body, why are you doing that? If you're trying to bring them into their emotions, why are you doing that? Of all the things to focus on, there are some things to focus on that are happening in the room that are not based on your own idea of what should be happening or what I should be focused on, but you have noticed internally an avenue for connecting with that child. Take the example I was just giving of the, let's say, six-year-old girl scrunched up in a ball and her face is tight and she's breathing heavy. Based on your relationship with this girl, based on times you felt close before, based on when you've taken maybe more of a risk inside of what you're doing to connect with them in a different kind of place that you're a little unsure of, but you're trying to dip your toe in the water and see if this is something that is up for them that they can address in the way that you want them to address it, which by address it, I really just mean live in what's happening. You could give a feelings reflection to this little girl. I don't know what you'd be feeling. You could say stressed or anxious or scared or mad, depends on sort of the context and what emotions you know are in this person's emotional vocabulary in terms of emotions that they're able to identify in themselves. But sometimes, oftentimes, many times, children are resistant to having their emotions named for them, for you telling them that this is anger or this is fear, and that the response will be, I'm not angry, I'm not afraid. And then we're in a debate with you about your emotions and I didn't meet you in that spot and you put a wall up and you put it up quickly and it was defensive and that will happen sometimes in child-centered play therapy. It's not say like a setback from which we'll never return if the relationship is continuing in a certain way and this is something that this person needs to work on and by work on 
I mean, have witnessed by another person something that they need to feel and experience through instead of being stopped at so that they can move on to whatever else is behind that and actually no life without this pain that they had to express in this certain way. Like, it'll come up again at some point. It's it's okay. And it's not ideal. We don't want to get into power struggles with children about their emotions. We don't want to say something and have their immediate response be that, yeah, that doesn't reflect my experience right now. Or, and even if we're right, right? Like, we could be right that this person is actually really angry in this moment. But naming that they're angry might not actually be very helpful, even though we're trying to do emotional work. So perhaps naming those body things is the way in, in this scenario. And they're able to sink into just being in what they're feeling at the time and truly living in it and not maybe consciously focused on whatever it is that was making them upset that has become this external object for their pain. If we're saying that this little girl who's six is angry about something in this moment, but then there's another way in. You could, uh, I'm trying to think of what she would be angry about, this made-up person. She's angry that she has to leave the session or something, or that you set a limit on something. She's mad at you. You could name that that's happening, that you, without even having to say the emotion, you didn't like that I was setting this limit, that I, uh, that I let you know that we have to go in five minutes because you don't want to leave in five minutes, and you could leave it at that. You could... Throw an emotion on there and say that she's angry and then say what the thing is about. Um, trying to connect the emotion to the thing itself. You could really do whatever you like in that moment. But it's important to know why you're doing it. And that there are some roads in that are more effective than others in terms of the child being able to move through their experience. What I wanted to talk about in this podcast is aggression in play. And aggression is a thing that we can often have a lot of judgment about in a society where it feels good to get along and it feels you know a goal of therapy someone could come into therapy because they're being too aggressive whether physically or verbally in their environment or in at least one of the environments that they spend time in and a goal of treatment is for them to be less aggressive so we're already viewing their aggressive response as something that means that there's something wrong and and that's, that's usually true. That's usually true that if someone is being very aggressive, that something is wrong. But then when they go about the process in their lives, whether playing out their aggression in some form, which parents are uncomfortable with, with teachers are uncomfortable with, so they don't really have that avenue. And I think we can agree 
if you're doing play therapy, hopefully you can agree that play is the way that we process, understand, assimilate our experiences into ourselves. And that is doubly or triply true of children. It might be true of adults, too. It's 100% true with children. But so they don't have the opportunity to play out that aggression. So maybe that aggression is coming out in other areas or people are simply being so aggressive with them or they're so angry about something or don't like something enough that they have resorted to being aggressive, which when you're small and you get in trouble every time that you're aggressive is, uh, you know, not a very helpful thing for you to be doing and people tell you all the time not to do it but you just can't help yourself because that's where you're at so in that sense having kids be less aggressive is good and if someone was coming in because they were beating the crap out of their buddies every day at school at recess and they don't do that now or they only do that pretty infrequently, then that would be meeting a treatment goal and be a success. But when a child is aggressive in a session with us, that aggression is important and is valuable and is a part of their journey towards being whole and healthy and capable of more dynamism dynamism it's a hard word to say which means that the aggression needs a place inside of your playroom it needs a place to be felt in the fullest and moved through completely and without judgment and without a feeling on your part that the child should be doing anything differently than exactly what they are doing. What makes aggression tricky then is that kids, when they are aggressive, or anyone when they are aggressive, are impulsive and angry and uh, capable of destruction and chaos and causing pain breaking toys and for that reason we can be a little afraid or anxious when that energy is present ideally anytime we are afraid or anxious we should set limits because if we are in that state then we're in our emotions a little bit and not as connected to them and are probably interacting with them out of a place of fear and out of a desire to have whatever they are doing stop or become less so that we don't have to feel anxious or afraid anymore for that reason having limits around your own physical safety is super important and you, there could be some sessions, or there will be probably some sessions, when the child in the room is being aggressive, and you are setting limits, and they continuously are hitting and trying to push past and pushing past those limits with their aggression and with their destruction. And that's a difficult period of time. And the limit can't be moved. The limit needs to stay. Like, I, I'm not advocating 
for limits on the very edge of safety so that we can make as much space as possible. Like you genuinely have to make the space for yourself where you know that you can be comfortable and with what is happening. Why those sessions are hard is because if that limit is being pushed against often, you aren't able to be with as much during those sessions. Those sessions will be more exhausting, but when the structure is consistent and it's held and it's held in a similar way and still in an accepting way, like the limits are given as empathetically as possible and the limits are given communicating that there's nothing wrong per se with the aggression it is merely the expression of that aggression not even the expression it is merely just just this this limit you can be exactly who you are and do what you're doing and i don't want anything different it's just got to be inside of this limit so that's why in my view it is Well, in lots of people's view, but like it's important for me to have things in a room that a child can destroy to let out those impulses, impulses to to be in that state of I'm so mad I want to tear something apart and they can. I personally have very soft things that I don't mind being hit with on my legs or my arm or something like that. I don't know how I feel about myself doing that. I often, a child will move off of that pretty quickly because I think like they're just trying to cause me pain. And once I give them the replacement, then they, you know, they're, they're hitting me, but uh, they're not causing me pain and it doesn't have the same kind of oomph that it did previously I have found more success with uh, I have a doll who kind of looks like me not really but it's, it's my little version of me it's more like a stuffed animal and I that's there for them to beat the crap out of and pretend is me uh, people have like bobo dolls and stuff for that too so the limit is there and then inside of the replacement in the set limit or ideally replacements to keep the element of choice around but you know if you only have if you have one thing to break that's all you can offer in terms of breaking something but the goal here is to allow the child to be where they are inside of the replacement that you're offering and i have not had the experience of working with a child yet who is not able to, at some point, stay inside of those limits and to be in their aggression inside of those limits. And as the clinicians, I think we can feel that when the, the limit has been established, it's been respected, and there's some, there's some relief there. There's the ability to connect a little more. You'll be a little less exhausted after the session and during the session and able to then at that point connect and meet that aggression more you not feeding it but able to really be with it in a way that you weren't able to previously when you're able to be with that aggression and that aggression is showing up in a scenario that uh, the client is creating or is, is just 
them channeling the same thing onto that, that doll replacement or still being physically aggressive in a certain way, you're able to start to notice maybe shifts in that aggression, shifts in the target of that aggression, differences in intensity of that aggression, uh, maybe more spaces where the child is being more dynamic and you're, ex and you're experiencing a new part of them. And when that new part is experienced, it can be felt like a, if they're expressing curiosity or kindness or noticing a limit on their, on their own. And you're seeing some self-regulation when they're moving to do something that's been established as a limit previously, or even when the target of it is different, you're getting to contact more of them in that space. You are feeling into them more deeply. They are being uncovered. Whatever that pain is and that dislike of something is that causes them to be that aggressive to begin with, there is a person back there. And we believe that as child-centered play therapists. And there is a person that does desire to be in harmony with their environment and in connection with others who cares about themselves and what happens to them and cares about the spaces that they live in and are contacting other people in, and they care about the people inside of that space too. We believe that about people. And getting glimpses of that is a beautiful thing and is not to be taken for granted in the context of us being connected to the development and healing and evolution of this child to being more connected to their authentic self. And when we can see that that's happening in a session, even just in the tiniest of ways, we understand the value of the work more deeply. We're able to then find ways to bring that out more in the way that we're being with them. We bring a spirit of just like hope and love and connection to what's going on that deepens the work, even if it doesn't change the things we say and doesn't change the way we interact. We're trying to be consistent and we're trying to hold that space all the time. But I do believe it can be helpful to see those little signs of growth and to nurture them and hold them and that that nurturing and holding and witnessing and recognition means something. When there are shifts in a child's aggression, say from one person to another person, or from, let's say, just sort of a general, ah, I want to crush the world, to I want to crush this particular thing that exists in the world, I can feel that sometimes as a deeper connection to the reality of their lives for these children, to the sources of their pain. It's not just this thing that blinds them and they are in a, like, eyes glaze over red rage. Because everything becomes a target when you're in that space. 
And that's a space that human beings in general, when they feel emotions, can get to. Ah, I'm scared of this thing. Oh, now I'm scared of everything. I'm mad at this thing. Oh, now I'm mad at everything. So there's a reversal of that process inside of this where from general rage to specific rage and aggression feels meaningful and is significant and is a different relationship to that aggressive place that they can get to for whatever reasons they get to that place. Let's say the aggression is turned towards you and then it's not turned towards you anymore. It's turned towards something else. Maybe that aggression towards you was an expression of a need to be safe on their part, an expression of a need for power and control, which is probably also related to safety, a message to let you know that they're not someone that can be messed with, uh, that they don't know what to do with an adult in a room who is letting them really do whatever they want except for to attack them. If that's not happening anymore, ah, then maybe they are experiencing more safety and trust and security and they don't feel the need to do whatever it is that they were doing to you that was aggressive. And then you can start to access something different there too. That once they feel safe, they're not stuck in that feeling of a lack of safety and they are able to experience more of their feelings or to experience that same feeling in a different way that is possibly more connected to the reality of their lives. Now, I don't feel that there is a need on our part inside of this model, the child-centered play therapy model, to try to bring conscious awareness around the sources of their aggression. We're still working in this unconscious space there's healing that happens in this unconscious space. A child is not going to leave a child-centered play therapy session and say, oh, I just realized that I'm more mad at my mom than I realized that I was and that I've been taking out that aggression other places because I haven't felt the space and security to express my feelings to her or when I do, I just get shut down. And I might still continue to do that, but I, at this point, haven't been able to name that and now I can. I think at the end of a process of therapy, even child-centered play therapy, that kids are able to name what's happening for them. More often, they're able, able to name their past and what happened and in a way that communicates their own pain in the situation and the reality of some of the injustices that have been done to them in the past but we might never have those conversations with them where we discuss those things that way. We wouldn't unless they chose to have it with us, and many children do not choose to have those conversations with us in that way because that's not how they heal or that's not how they heal inside of this model. Um, I, I do use directive interventions sometimes, uh, but keep child-centered play therapy as a base and find that that base is effective for most of the people that I see, um, but sometimes whether it's due to time, whether it's due to a child being at a certain developmental level, maybe we're talking someone who's like seven, eight, nine years old, but they cognitively are able to do some of that work. And it does seem like that that work is helpful with them. Great. But that's not what we're doing here when we're being child centered. I think even just seeing aggression as an important and valuable and 
arguably inevitable part of some children's therapeutic process is helpful in respecting it, is helpful in being less afraid of it, and knowing that in the therapeutic process, this aggression is going to shift and that this will change and this limit that I'm setting will be respected at some point. This emotion will be channeled into a different place, that it will become less intense with time. Those are important things to keep in mind. We can often believe that, oh, every session's just going to be like this one, especially if there's been some hard ones for a little while, but the process is effective and the process works and having faith in the therapeutic process and being able to see all of the little markers along the way that are leading towards this person healing helps in the moment for us to be able to connect to whatever's happening and to stay with it and to do what we need to do in our role of facilitating this process as effectively and compassionately as possible. And that's my ramble on aggression. I hope that if you listened to it, that it made sense and you got something out of it. Um, I would love to hear from you if you did so. Uh, you can reach me at barnettchildtherapy at gmail.com. It's my last name, B-A-R-N-E-T-T, childtherapy at gmail.com. And please uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It helps us uh, get more reach. By us, I mean me. And uh, thanks for listening and see you next time.